0: Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Today, we're gonna talk about the idea of your home um, and the question I'm getting a lot these days from clients, from friends, from prospective clients. And the question is, I own a home and people are paying ridiculous amounts of money for homes these days. Should I sell my house? And this is a really challenging question. And, you know, what's driving the market right now or what's driving people's maybe desires to possibly sell uh, are there concerns about uh, the rising interest rates. So if, if the fed continues to rise the interest rates and mortgage mortgages become more expensive, people might not be willing to overpay for homes as they have been um, because their monthly payments might start to get higher. Another concern is if the getting is really good, you might see more houses start to come on the market, which uh, from a supply and demand standpoint, if there's a greater inventory of houses to choose from, the buyers can kind of do some price shopping and maybe compare one against the other. And there's not, there's not as a uh, big of an urgency to start asking for, or you know, offering over the asking price to win the bid. Um, and lastly, you know, concerns about the general economy, you know, right now, uh, employment is in a good position. You know, people are seeing salary and wage increases, um, you know, uh, if anything starts to slow down and people maybe aren't make making the same type of money or the bonus pools aren't as big or the raises aren't as big, they may be less uh, you know, eager to be overpaying for homes or, or paying a top dollar for these homes as they are right now. So when we talk through this about uh, what should I do with my home, um, yes, your house is an investment, but it's also where you live. So one of the first questions I ask clients is, if they're thinking about this, is what do you want to do? Um, And it seems like a very simple question to ask, but a lot of people don't have a very good answer. Usually the answer is, I don't know. Uh, You know, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. I don't know where I want to be. Um, But, you know, basically what it comes down to is you have three choices. You can either sell, uh, this is if you make the decision to sell your home. You can either sell and try to stay in the area you are. So you might have grandkids or kids in the area. So you want to sell your house and maybe look for a smaller property or something to rent in the area, but you don't necessarily want to change your geographical footprint because of family or friends or or work or whatever it may be. Your second option is you could sell and you could go away. So some people are thinking about uh, selling and maybe with work flexibility, they can work from New Hampshire, they can work from Florida, they can work from areas that might have a, a lower cost of living or a better tax scenario, or, um, you know, they can get more property for, for less or the same amount of money. And then the last option is you might say, well, I want to sell, but I want to split time. So I want to you know take this big house, sell, and maybe buy two small places or buy a small place and rent a second place. So when you think about those options, um, you have to understand the financial impacts of them, um, but realistically, you have to be kind of sure of what it is you want. And if you're uncertain about what you want, you, you know, as much as it's fun to talk about, you're probably not going to take action on it. So you don't want to uh, stress too much about it or waste too much emotional uh, energy on trying to figure this out if you're really not sure what you want. The other question I really challenge clients to ask is, where do you think the market's heading? And no one knows exactly because uh, if we knew, we'd know exactly what to do. Um, but over the next three to five years, do you expect the real estate market to continue climbing either at its current pace or at a slightly slower pace? Do you expect housing prices to basically hover and stay where they are? Um, or do you think that prices might fall um, You know, for a number of factors that, you know, if you don't sell now, you might be selling for less down the road. Um, and, you know, as we'll talk more about the home as an investment uh, in a little bit, but that's you know that's a big question. If you are highly confident that you know we're we're you know houses always tend to keep their value and grow, so you know if I don't sell now, I can sell later. I'll probably still a good dollar. Um, versus some people really think you know there's a bubble on the way, um, and you know for the most part they're just guessing at it. But if they think there's a bubble, they may want to try to capitalize. Um, and if uh they sell now and markets keep going up, you know, maybe they'll have a little bit of seller's remorse, but you know, you have to make the decision that's right for you. So let's talk a little bit about your three options. Um, I'm gonna sell and stay. I'm gonna sell and go, and I'm gonna sell and split time. So if you're the type of person that says, I'm gonna I wanna stay around here, but I the house is just a little bit too much. Um the individuals that really should be thinking about selling and staying are individuals that have, maybe they have the four bedroom house that they raised their kids in, but um, they don't need all the space anymore. And, you know, when you think about uh, more, more costs for maintenance, higher costs for homeowners insurance, property taxes are starting to increase um, all of those bills add into kind of what, what's, what's going into the bottom line of the house. And you're thinking, you know what, I would like to capitalize on this this dollar and either rent something nearby or uh, maybe buy something smaller. So if you're in the realm of, I I don't like renting, I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell kind of at the high of the market. But if you're not moving very far, you're also going to be buying at the height of the market. So if you're buying something smaller and you can capitalize on uh, some of the equity out of your home may not be a bad option, especially if that's smaller, uh, you know, comes with a smaller property tax bill, easier maintenance, uh, lower upkeep costs. Um, but a lot of times when we do the math and clients are selling the, the single family home and moving into maybe a new condo complex or an over 55 community, um, when you look at the price tags uh, on the, you know, on the on those properties, and then when you add in the HOA fees, the maintenance costs, um, you know, you know, a lot of other expenses that may come along with it, they realize that on a month-to-month basis, um, you know, they may be actually paying more than they were in their current residence. And yes, they freed up some equity from the home, but not enough to make it economically worthwhile. Um, so from a financial decision uh, in those situations, more times not the best, the most effective thing is to stay where you are, um, you know, but sometimes there's other things that are driving the decision. So if you really just can't take care of the property anymore, you're, you're, you're nervous about, a, you know, a, a big repair that may be coming down the road, all those things, you know, um, it's not a financial decision. It's more an emotional or personal decision Then you might choose to stay. The other option is if you're trying to stay in the area, stay in rent. And this is where it has some interesting dialogue with clients about what does it cost to stay in your current home versus the cost of rent? Um, And, you know, when you look at what rents are, so let's say you're in a three or four bedroom house in the area and you say, well, I don't want to I don't want a lot less space. So it's still like a three bedroom apartment or condo. Um, and you look on you know, Zillow or Realtor.com and just as a general tip, you say, well, three bedrooms in my area, what would it cost? And in our area, a three-bedroom house would rent for somewhere between $3,000 and $3,500 a month, depending on you know, a lot of the features or amenities that are coming with it. And you could find one that would rent for seven or $8,000 a month if you're looking along the water or some of the higher, higher end areas. Um, but it, if you look and say, well, $3,500 a month, and my right now, my mortgage, my property tax is everything else in is only twenty five hundred dollars a month. Why would I sell to pay an extra thousand dollars a month in rent? Um, and the reason would be uh, all of the equity in your home that you're freeing up. So right now you have a house that you pay some mortgage or maybe you're done paying the mortgage on and maybe the house is appreciating, but you don't get to spend any of that money. You don't get to capitalize on those dollars. So if you were to sell the house and start renting, let's say you profited a half a million dollars from the sale of that home. And yes, your rental payment went, your monthly budget payment went from 2,500 to 3,500. But now all of a sudden you have an extra $500,000 in the bank or in your investment accounts or in some type of retirement savings. Um, So you know when you compare the growth off of the new equity that you freed up, does it offset the the pay, the, the, the rental increase? So, you know, yes, your monthly budget may go up, but you know, you might be able to replenish that with earnings off of, of the investment gains. Um, You know, so like I said, it's not for everybody, but just because your rent might be higher than your mortgage doesn't mean it's a deal breaker. You just want to, you know, be understanding what can I do with these dollars if I didn't own the home what are some hidden expenses that I might not have to pay? Um, you know, that roof that might need fixing in five years is not going to be my responsibility. So you start, you know, doing the, uh, um, the math to figure it out. Um, the downside is the, the place you're renting is not going to have the same memories that your previous house had. It won't have all the same nooks and crannies. And you know, there is a change component to it. Um, but if you're looking at it from a, an economical standpoint, it, it may, and you're kind of getting tired of owning the house, it may be worth a discussion. So your second option is to sell and go. So in these situations, you may be looking at, say I've enjoyed my time here in New England, um, but I'm getting tired of the winters. I'm tired of the traffic. I'm tired of the cost of living. And I'm fine moving to North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, you know, central, you know, more into the middle of the country where I can buy a similar house uh, or get something for rent for a much more reasonable price. Um, So, if that's the situation, if you're really thinking about that, you know, this this is a good time to really go deeper into that discussion, because if you can you know, sell your house for a, a significant profit and even if you're buying high in another market, let's say you sell your house up here for five hundred thousand dollars and you can buy a nice comparable home in another state for three hundred thousand dollars. Um, You still own a nice home. You might be in a better climate and you now have an extra hundred or 200,000 of equity that you freed up from the house that could be invested and could be used to generate additional income for spending. Um, Some other, other hidden items when you're thinking about that. So in Massachusetts, we have state income tax in New Hampshire, Florida, some other States, they do not have a state income tax. So by selling and going away, Now your pension that you're currently paying state income tax on or your other things that you're taking out with capital gains taxes, that new state might have a lower tax threshold. Um, So uh, that's another kind of hidden dollar that you want to factor in. Um, What you might have to add back in is, well, you know, healthcare might be a little bit different or not as good. Um, You might be paying more for fuel because you're not as close to things or travel might not be as convenient because you have to get a little further to get where you're going. Um, So all these things kind of come into the financial side of it. Um, When you're kind of doing the math, is this a good idea or a good time to think about it? And then the final one is, should I stay and maybe split time? So maybe I'll uh, buy a small place in, a warmer climate and rent for a couple months while I'm here. And, and you know this could be a, a good situation for some people. Others are not good at kind of being nomadic. So let's say you move your primary residence to a warmer state and you get a nice little condo or a house that meets your needs and you still have family up here. So you want to be around here for some of the months or you want to be up here for the summer months. Um, the challenge with being up here in the summer months is these those are the most expensive months to rent so when you're trying to find a place to rent for three or four months it's a pretty competitive marketplace If you're fortunate enough to maybe have a, a family member that uh, might have a some type of apartment or in-law apartment or Maybe you use some of the proceeds of the construction to build an in-law apartment where you can live in for a couple months of the year. That's a, another strategy I've seen uh, used in, in families that I guess get along and can are willing to spend that amount of time together. Um, you know, that comes with construction costs, zoning issues, a lot of other things that, that you have to kind of do your research on. But same idea, by selling your home, you free up equity. And with that equity, you have the choice of either renting in another market or, you know, looking at, you know, creative construction solutions. Um, You know, right now construction is not cheap and trying to find anyone to do the work is also hard. Uh, So this is probably more of a one to three year strategy as opposed to a, uh, you know, this winter type of thing. But once again, you might have that option of uh, selling and splitting time and maybe owning two small places or renting two small places or owning one and renting the other. So as you can see, there's a lot of different ways to approach this argument or discussion, um, and sometimes the two people living in the home at this point don't have the same opinions or or, or thought process. So it adds a whole nother level of emotion or or component to it. Um, but now it's now it's the time to at least start the dialogue because right if you look at housing prices, and I'll just use our town as an example. Uh, from 2017 to 2020, uh, if you just do a Zillow track of, a, of an average housing price, the average housing prices went up by about 20% uh, total over those three years, which is still a pretty good clip. Um, but from 2020 to 2022, the average price is up about 30%. Um, so houses are you know seeing a significant uptick in the price. Um, you're also, you know, continuing to hear stories about people putting in bids well over the asking price. So, um, you know, there is still a, a market for individuals that are looking to sell and there's still some motivated buyers out there. So, um, you know, now is probably the right time to have a discussion. Um, turning the tables to your home as an investment, I wanted to kind of share, uh, More of a numerical example, but I thought it was interesting when you think about your house as an investment, and especially when you get to that question of where do I think the markets are heading? Do I think they're going to go, uh, the housing prices are going to keep going up or are they going to go down or are they going to stay flat? Um, So I figured I'd do a little bit of a history lesson on real estate. And I'm just going to use a house uh, in Danvers, uh, Danvers, Massachusetts. Um, And if you were to buy a home in 2000, and let's say you found a nice three-bedroom, two-bathroom home, about 2,200 square feet good house to raise a family, good house to live in. Um, that house was selling, the one I looked at you know, on a, a random Zillow search was selling for $270,000 or sold for $270,000 in 2000. Now let's say the buyer um, put $20,000 down and took a mortgage for $250,000 and they wanted to be done paying it off by 2022 um, to fit my scenarios. So if they took a 20-year mortgage and you know rates were a little higher back then when they started. So if we use a blended rate of say 5.5%, so rates were probably closer to seven or eight back then. They're three now. Um, so let's say they refinanced, or you know we're able to get an average blended rate of about 5.5%. Um, their monthly payment would have been about 1,725 dollars a month, and that's your principal and interest. It does not account real estate taxes or uh, homeowners insurance. So if you just basically paid the principal and interest over those 20 years, uh, at the end of that 20 years, you'd have a house that was fully paid off and your total, pay- total payments would have been $433,000. But each year you also had to pay your homeowner's insurance and you had to pay your real estate taxes. So if we use uh, an average number of say $5,000 or $6,000 a year for the combination of homeowner's insurance and property taxes, Um, your, that's an extra $120,000 that you had to come out of pocket, uh, to stay in the home. Um, and you know, over 20 years, things break, things need to be fixed. You got to mow the lawn. So if we basically say another $5,000 a year for average maintenance, and that's not counting utilities and things like that, um, this is basically just upkeep, um, that would add another $100,000 that you would have invested into the property over those 20 years. So all told, you've paid in, you know, $433,000 between principal and interest. You paid in $120,000 in taxes and insurance and $100,000 in upkeep and maintenance. And that's assuming no large capital improvements or, you know, no new kitchens, no extensions. Um, so you paid in a total of about $653,000 over those 20 some odd years. Um Right now, if I looked on Zillow, uh, that house uh, says it would sell for around $700,000. So over 22 years, uh, this homeowner has invested $650,000 into this home and could possibly realize a sale of $700,000. Now, if you were that person and you said, hey, someone's going to pay me $700,000 for this home you'd be like, that's crazy. I only paid $270,000 for it. So I gener- I'm i earning almost $330,000 in gains um, on this house or $430,000 in gains on this house. That's amazing. Which seems like it, you know, in very simple terms, that's what most people would think. They remember what they paid for, they remember what they're getting, and the difference is what they get to keep. Um, but you know, when you start doing the math, say, okay, well, well, how much did I actually earn on my money? And was it a good investment? So if you happen to have $270,000 lying around in in 2000, and you had invested it, and 22 years later, someone gave you back $700,000, that's about a four to four and a half percent annualized rate of return. So not a home run investment by any means, but a good investment. Um, so when you think about home ownership and where the markets are heading, um, there's always going to be ups and downs. There's always going to be swings. But when you look at over a 10, 15, 20 year period, the value of your home probably will double in somewhere between 15 to 20 years. Um, obviously there's some economic and market conditions, uh, that, that could come into play there and maybe it'll spike up real fast and, and get there sooner, but you know, maybe not hold the value forever. Um, but, you know, so owning real estate uh, is from a long term investment strategy. When you compare that to maybe what Apple stock or Microsoft or some other tech stocks have done over those 20 some odd years, four point four and a half percent doesn't seem that great. Um, but one of the hidden values of, of real estate as an investment is it's kind of like a forced savings plan. Uh, you can put a little bit of money down, get some equity in the home. It give, you have to pay your principal on the mortgage. You're, you're investing money um, you know, in repairing and improving the property. And ideally, you're going to get a lot of that back when you sell the home. So um, you know, if, you did a, if you did a true economic comparison and said, I'm going to just rent and invest the difference, you might have come out ahead if you had you know, been paying market rents since 2000, investing the difference in you know, a broad-based equity solution. But most people don't do that. If they have extra money, they usually spend it; they don't save it. So the individual who had rented might have paid a little bit of less rent along the way, um, but they might not have a pot of seven hundred thousand dollars coming back to them in twenty-two years. Another interesting, you know, historical fact: if when you look at individuals that bought their house in two thousands, you know, even even before then, it wasn't uncommon that you might be paying say a thousand dollars a month for rent, and then you buy a house, and now your monthly budget is you know $1500 a month for your mortgage and interest and that's because you know interest rates were higher. Uh, maybe there's there was a lesser demand for the real estate the rental market so rents were a little bit lower in the market value. Um, so you know people you know saw home ownership as a way to build equity but it wasn't really about saving money. I mean as far as like on your monthly budget. But today when you look at what rental prices are going for in some of the urban areas and larger cities, when you compare that to what, and, and with extremely low interest rates, when you compare your what you're paying in rent to what you might pay buying a, a half million dollar house, it actually looks like you're paying less to buy the house uh, than you are uh, renting. So it's kind of flipped over the last 20 years, where now when people are making these over asking price bids and you know bidding what seems like extraordinary dollars for these homes economically it's actually better for them because instead of paying four thousand dollars a month to have a two-bedroom apartment in Boston they're getting a three-bedroom house you know with a little bit of a commute um, but maybe their monthly payments are only 35 36 thirty seven hundred dollars a month and they're building equity in a home hopefully so you know the market has kind of flipped the rental to owner rent uh, markets as well and that's also what's kind of driving some of the the pressure on the buyers, you know, uh, motivated buyers, because, you know, it's a dollars to dollars, so they're going to save money plus, plus get to own a home, maybe have a little more space. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was a good numerical example. So when you think about where the markets are heading, if you, if you don't sell now and you kind of miss this one, your house is going to probably keep continue to appreciate over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, if you're going to be selling in two years, who knows, we might see a little bit of a correction and, Maybe you, you regret not selling now because you know markets. You know the house what you could have sold today for five hundred thousand. You can only get for in two years from now. Um, so you you know you're going to feel like you lost money, even though you've made money from when you bought it. Uh, emotionally, it's going to feel like a loss. So um, there's no real way to get over that except for just to keep looking forward and try not to look back. And um, because in the moment you're going to make the decision that's right for you. Um, So when we think about real estate and should I buy or should I sell, there's not a right answer for everyone, um, but there is a right answer for you. And hopefully you can find that. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time on Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities, laws, and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.